Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. It's so good to see you today. Under the, before I get started this morning, under the, in the front of the chair, uh, in the chair in front of you is a, a giving envelope that's a gold one that says, Leave a Legacy. That's a special offering that we give every year in the last couple of months, um, and so we utilize that for different reasons. It's a challenge. People take a look at their finances and say, Am I, have I given everything that I need to give? Do we want to give a special gift from our business into uh, the Father's house? And uh, so uh, two years ago, we raised money with a Leave a Legacy to redo all of our cameras and our sound equipment. Last year, it was to redo and to set up cameras uh, that watch everything that's going on for our safety team so we can be safe and proactive. This year, we want to, 2020, we want to pay down the mortgage, if not pay it all off in 2020. And to get that started, uh, we have a little $20,000 note uh, that we want to pay off by the first of the year. It was a little small angel investor loan on the building. So we want to raise that amount of money which is no problem. We've done that before. And then for some of you that are parking way out and getting a little slower moving around, we want to get one of those golf carts that carries uh, multiple people and a place to store that so we can help some people who need that. So they say that's about $12,000. So we're looking at a, somewhere in the neighborhood of $30,000, uh, to be able to pay that off. So I'm asking you to Ask God what he would have you to give as a sacrificial offering. So it's called leave a legacy, not build a legacy, but leave a legacy so that we can take care of those things and get started on what uh, God wants us to do. So uh, pray about that. Ask God what he would have for you to do. And let's all be part of this leave a legacy. Well, you have your Bible with you. You have uh, your iPhone, your iPad, your eyeballs, whatever you use. Uh, let's lift it up and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. <clears throat> I am obedient and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence that we sense here today. And uh, we don't take that for granted. We thank you for those in the first service that made a decision to surrender their heart to you, and the ones in this service will do that. And Father, we just, <clears throat> we just give you thanks. And today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what I can't do. Holy Spirit, you bring the anointing. Holy Spirit, you direct us to Christ. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come fresh into uh, the teaching today, into my life, and into this house uh, teach us the word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series called Supernatural. And uh, if I took time to ask you, define to me what you think is supernatural. We probably have a lot of different things, you know. Well, it's like, you know, the spooky things and the ghost and the stories and all of that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, biblical supernatural life. And that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. So this series that I'm teaching for the next uh, three weeks after this one is all about the Holy Spirit. 
It's been a year or so since we taught a series on the Holy Spirit, so um, I wanted to take time to do this again. And there's a quote from A.W. Tozer that's been rolling over and over and over in my mind because it's so real. Listen to this. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we of what we do would go on and no one would notice the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference because they were utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. So what he says is the normal American church, if the Holy Spirit was removed, 95% of what they do would just continue as is, but not the in Acts. If you remove the Holy Spirit from the church in Acts, 95% of what they did would cease. So I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Let me recommend a couple of books to you um, about the Holy Spirit that I really think would help you and help all of us. The first one I'd recommend is a book called Forgotten God, Reversing the Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit by Francis Chan. Listen to his introduction. He says, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say that they've experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe that they can. The entertainment model of the church was largely adopted in the 1980s and the 90s, and while it alleviated some of the boredom for a couple of hours a week, it filled our churches with, listen to this, with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit. Another great book is by Robert Morse, and it's called The God I Never Knew. The God I Never Knew. Listen to this introduction. If you're like most people, you've probably been misinformed about the Holy Spirit to some degree. After more than 25 years of, of experience in ministry, I've seen firsthand that most Christians hold a distorted, inaccurate, or an incomplete view of the third member of the Trinity. Too many have resigned themselves to, per to perpetual defeat in their battles with temptation or to strump stumbling through life making decisions with nothing more than their own flawed reason to guide them. Others live a dull, powerless brand of Christianity, completely at odds with the picture of the vibrant, overcoming, advancing church in the book of Acts. The dynamic, full life of Jesus promised to believers is a natural outgrowth of an intimate friendship with God, the Holy Spirit. Today, I have an amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit, Though that wasn't always true, by the time you're finished exploring this topic, reading this book, you'll realize what an amazing relationship you can have with him too. So I would encourage you to read one or both of these books. I would say I, the first one I would recommend is The God I Never Knew by Robert Morse, and the second one would be The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Another thing that I'm doing, and I would encourage you to join me, is I'm rereading the Gospel of Luke. Remember, Luke was a doctor. He wrote the Gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. In Luke, he presents us 
with a human Jesus, although he's God, a human Jesus that lived under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. So what I've been doing for the last uh, several weeks is I've been rereading Luke, and I'll probably read it three or four more times. And every time I see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the anointing, I'll circle that or underline that. And you'll be amazed at how many times in the book of Luke, the gospel, he begins setting the stage for the life that we need to live. Now, when you look at and we think about supernatural, and we look in the book of Acts, we realize they were totally dependent on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they would preach powerful messages, and people would say, who are these? They're just a bunch of unlearned fishermen. They're nobody. But here's what they would say, but they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes a difference in our life. For the next four weeks, three more weeks after this one, I want you to ask yourself, as I'm asking myself, am I really walking in the power of the supernatural, or am I walking more in the natural? Have I begun as a believer, and through the years I have become real good at what I do, and maybe I'm not really flowing in the Holy Spirit the way that the Holy Spirit would love to flow through me? Or maybe we might ask ourselves this question, listen to this. If in my life the Holy Spirit were to be removed, would anybody notice a difference? If the Holy Spirit were removed from your life, would anybody notice a difference? Or here's another way of saying that. Would I notice a difference if the Holy Spirit wasn't operating in my life? When I said a few minutes ago we we're going to uh, have a series on the Holy Spirit, I'm sure there are a lot of different responses. There were some of you that sat back and on the inside of your heart you were saying, finally, thank God. I've been praying that he would preach on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit just get a hold of him and just turn him inside out, all right? Uh, some of you thinking that. Thank you for your prayers, okay? Some of you come from a church background in which the Holy Spirit was never mentioned. Look, it, the Trinity is, say it with me, God the Father, God the Son, and God what? But some of you came from a church background that the Holy Spirit was never preached or talked about. He was sort of like the relative that nobody ever mentioned. Some of you, when I said we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, you remembered all the weird people that you knew that talked about the Holy Spirit. Look, those people that you know would probably be weird even if they didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, okay? I read some research this week that says one out of every three people are weird. So look to your right, look to your left. If neither one of them are weird, you got it. Some of you, your reaction might be like this. You grew up in a church like I grew up as a kid that from time to time it seemed like more like a circus act than anything else. And uh, people supposedly used the Holy Spirit as the ringleader of everything that went on. And uh, so some of you are saying, when are they bringing out the snakes? Look, we're not bringing out snakes, okay? I hate snakes, I shoot snakes. I don't care if they don't bite, they don't do anything. There's no, no good, Satan was a snake, and so... I get rid. The only snakes that we allow in this church is you. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean you. 
I mean the people who used to come that don't come anymore. They're just, just snakes. I've, we have to delete that from the forward broadcast. Some of you really uh, have no thought about the Holy Spirit because uh, the Holy Spirit to you is when you saw somebody on TV talking about the Holy Spirit, you thought it was one of two things. Either it was somebody who wore an exorbitant amount of makeup or no makeup at all. So just be safe. Here's what I want to do. I want to de-spookify the Holy Spirit. I want to de-spookify the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'd like for you to do, if, if you could do this. In this series, I'd like you to just bring a blank page. I know we have classic Pentecostal background here. We have charismatics. We have charismaniacs. We have uh, anti-acts. We have uh, anti-Holy Spirit cessationists. I know we have a lot of different things. And, and many times, it's not something we've studied for ourselves. It's something that somebody told us or we read from Uncle Billy Bob, who is, uh, you know, a self-proclaimed preacher on the Internet. But for the next three weeks after this series, for today in three weeks, could we bring a blank sheet of paper and just put on there Holy Spirit and just say, Father, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to teach me from your word? I'm not going to give you a bunch of theory. I'm going to, and I'm not teaching this series to teach you about the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just teach you about the Holy Spirit. We can know a lot about different things, and we can know the Greek, we can know the Hebrew, we can know the Aramaic, we can know all of that, but that's not my goal. My goal is not that you would leave after four weeks and say, I think I could write a book now on the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit. No, I want you to encounter. I want you to experience this person, the Holy Spirit. And would, would, you just, would you just pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. I want to experience the Holy Spirit like never before. Now, you've got to be careful because as soon as you pray that prayer, some of you got in your mind, yeah, it's about time. We have a bunch of people doing this and running and doing something else. Stop it, okay? Blank sheet of paper. What, is the Holy, what does the Lord want to say to us about the Holy Spirit? Let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the name Spirit in the, in the uh, Hebrew is the word ruach in your notes, ruach. It means a wind or a breath. In fact, it shows up in the second verse of the Old Testament, Genesis 1 and 2. Read it with me from your notes. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And the Ruach Elohim was hovering over the waters. So remember, there was nothing. There was darkness. And the Scripture, remember in Genesis, and God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God, through the words of God and the wind of God hovering over, created boom like that. And it began happening, all of these things. That's the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, the word is pneuma. Say pneuma. It's a current of air, a breath, a strong breeze, a gale of wind. And John chapter 14, actually John 14, 15, 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to go to the cross. 
I'm going to pay the price for your sins. I'm going to, they'll crucify me. On the third day, I will arise. I'm going to ascend back to the Father. But when I ascend back to the Father, I'm going to send, I'm going to send another just like myself. I'm going to send, and this time, he won't walk alongside you, but he will be in you. Sometimes people say, man, when I get to heaven, I want to talk to Moses. And, and the others say, Moses, what was it like for God to talk to you through a burning bush? That must have been awesome. Moses, what was it like when you stood there and held your, uh, your, your shepherd's rod forward and the, and the waters parted? Tell me what it was like. But I believe Moses will look at you and say, no, wait, time out. Tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like to have the very presence and spirit of God living inside of you, not walking alongside of you. I want to understand about that power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God walking in you. Give the Lord a hand clap right there and thank Him for what we have inside of us. So in John 14, 16 and 17 from the Passion Translation, it says, read it with me out loud. I will ask the Father and He will give you another Savior the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend, just like, who will be a what? A friend. And read the rest of this. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. He says, the world, people who are not believers, won't receive him because they can't see, they can't negotiate, they can't completely understand outside of, of the Holy Spirit. And so they're going to reject it because they want to be able to understand it with their intellect. But he says, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. You see, the problem with the Holy Spirit is we often think about a what rather than a who. Some people speak about the Holy Spirit as an it instead of he. he. He's not an it. He is a he. And they relate to the Holy Spirit as a force rather than a friend. Let me introduce you. This is the first fill in your notes there. Number one, understand the Holy Spirit wind. Understand the Holy Spirit wind. When Jesus is trying to help us to understand what the Holy Spirit would be like, and uh, we can look at John 3 and 8. He says, for the Spirit wind does what? blows as it chooses. You can hear its sound, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. So it is within the hearts of those who are spirit-born. He said, if we think about the characteristics of wind, you'll get a picture of the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, you can't grab the wind, right? <laughs> you know, we were talking between services. We said, we should all go out with a quart jar this week and say, I'm going to grab a quart of wind. I'm going to fill my jar up with wind. You, you can't do that. You can't grab the wind, but you can feel the wind, right? You can feel the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of wind or experience that. So let me give you some things when we think about the Holy Spirit as wind. That's, that's what he is, wind. Uh, it's one of the definitions. Then what are some characteristics of wind that will help us understand how the Holy Spirit works or wants to work in our life? First of all, wind is unseen. Wind is unseen, right? But it's felt or it's experienced. You can feel the wind. You can see the effects of wind. But you can't say, get ready. Here comes some wind. 
No, the only way you can say here comes some wind is that you see the effects of wind as it's coming. So you can't predict that. It's, it's unseen. And the Holy Spirit working in our life is, is, is an unseen presence of the Lord. Here's what I hear people say often when they come to the Father's house. You know, I don't know what it was. I don't really understand it. I can't explain it. But I felt something in there. I, I felt something that, was, that felt good, that was warm. It wasn't scary. It wasn't there. And it was just, it's just so amazing. And uh, I don't know what it was, but i tell you what, I'm, I'm coming back. Because I, I experienced something that I've never felt before in my life. When you leave and walk out this building, I don't want you to first thought being, oh, wow, was that a great teaching that he taught. Man, I really like that teaching. Well, what did he teach you? I don't know, but it was good. I, th I think it was good. No, I, I don't want you to leave. We have great musicians and great singers. I don't want you to leave and saying, man, those people could really sing. Man, they could play the guitar. Man, that, that drummer in the cage, they, we lock him up because we can't let him out. So we lock him up and say, man, he was great. He's one of the best drummers ever. No, no, no. But here's what I want. With all my heart, here's my heart, that when you walk out that door, say, wow. I know, I know I've just experienced something with God. I can't tell you what it was like. I can't write it down. I can't define it, but I can describe it. I felt warm. I felt joy. I felt tingly. Sometimes I feel like electric charge. I just, man, I just, I just felt like I was hugged. I felt like, I just felt like some people, sometimes you would say, I just felt like there was just a, a gentle breeze that just blew by. And it wasn't the air conditioned. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. He can be felt even though he's unseen. Wind is unpredictable. Ask any pilot or field goal kicker. Wind is unpredictable. That's why they have the little cones out to show you which way the wind is blowing and all of that. Wind decides to go wherever he wants to go. And the Holy Spirit wants to move however he wants to move. He doesn't want us to develop a set of standards or a system by which the Holy Spirit has to operate. The truth is, God is an unpredictable God, and he always loves to do something that's fresh, unusual, and unpredictable. Listen, if you think you've got the corner on how the Holy Spirit would work, oh man, this is, we're going to have revival, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. You're basically saying, I have created a standard Here's what I see as a revival. Here's what I see how the Holy Spirit will move. And so I know when this happens, we're in the midst of the Holy Spirit moving. No, what you've just done is taken the Holy Spirit, who may have done something once, and you try to create a denomination or a whole system about that one thing. For instance, God only spoke one time through a burning bush. But if it happened today, there would be people that would say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to start the first church of the burning bush. And uh, we're going to camp around this, and we're going to pray until the Holy Spirit speaks through that bush. And until the Holy Spirit speaks through that bush, we're not going to give up because we know that's how God wants to do it. What if he wants to speak through a donkey? I caught myself, all right. He can do that. What in our wildness 
imaginations in the spirit could God be planning for this generation, for this time, for this generation? My granddaughter, Raylan, as you know, is on the mission field, and uh, she's in Australia in uh, training with uh, youth with the mission, YWAM, and she looks like she's going to be transferred to uh, Thailand. And so she put one of her blogs on, and that'll be on the Father's House Facebook. You'll be able to follow along. And she said, it's just amazing to see how people are hearing things from God and getting a word from God of what their future is and their destiny and all this. And, and she's so honest, and she says, but I haven't received mine yet, but I'm waiting. What she was saying is, I don't want to borrow somebody else's and make it mine. I want to wait I want to wait until this freshness of the Holy Spirit gives me the direction that I want in my life. What would your life be like? What would your life be like if we took all the, pro the predictability away and say, Holy Spirit, you can do as you want. You see, we, we, just, we just love that. And, I mean, it's like, it's like the man who brought his friend to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, it's my friend. He's blind. Would you do that hand thing? You know, you, you lay your hand on people and, and you heal them. You see, Jesus wanted him to know it wasn't in the hand thing. It was in the relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what Jesus did. He picked up mud, dirt from the ground, spit in it. Oh, no, he ain't going to do that. Rubs it together and puts it on the man's eyes. And the man was healed. What Jesus was saying is, don't try to predict what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Don't create it. We say, we need a revival in America. Yeah, we do. And people say, well, if we do this, and we do this, and we do this, and we do this, and we do this, that brought revival in the past, and that'll bring revival. And so we, what, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a system of standards that we understand and we can figure out, and then we figure if we get those, then we have, can demand God that he send revival. Here's the way we ask God to send a revival. We raise our hands and say, have your way, Lord, whatever you want to do. Come fresh, Holy Spirit, in into my life. Oh, wow. Wind can't be contained. You can't contain wind. You can't put it in a jar. And wind is powerful. That's the next one. Wind is powerful. Wind can generate electricity, sail a ship, destroy a city. I honestly have no interest in serving a powerless God. I have no interest in serving a God that used to be powerful. At the heart of this book is a powerful God. At the heart of the birth of the church in the book of Acts is a Holy Spirit that brings the power of God to operate in our life. Some of you right now are going through things in your life where you can't do it on your own. You need a power kick transfer from the Holy Spirit to bring you a breakthrough in your life. Acts 1 and 8 said, and you will receive power when what? The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Some of the things you're trying to do in yourself, stop it. Stop long enough to say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. I need a freshness of you in my life. Charles Finney, you see his picture on the screen was a 19th century leader of renewal uh, in revival in America. He was an attorney, and he was a Presbyterian minister. In writing his life story, he said, I was comfortable in knowing God on the intellectual level only. But then he said, but my life was lifeless, 
predictable and empty. He experienced it was part of the great renewal here in America where it said that in his meetings, he led as many as 500,000 people to Christ. But the turnaround in his life, many people don't read that. They haven't read that part. But let me read it to you from his own journal. The turnaround that changed his life from a lifeless, predictable, empty life. He said, as I turned to go take my seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me, without any recollection that I'd ever heard the thing mentioned by a person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. Notice, he's describing it. He can't define it, but he's describing it. It seemed like, listen to this, it seemed like the very breath of God. He said, I recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept loudly with joy and love, and I do not know how to say this, but I literally bellowed out in unutterable gushings from my heart. And the waves came over me and over me and over me, one after another. You say, well, how do I know if I'm, if I'm operating in the anointing and the fullness of the Spirit? Well, you'll know, right? How many of you say amen to that? You'll know. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. You, you'll know. And here's the next thing. Wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. You ever sit on a porch or maybe at the beach and you're sitting there and maybe sipping your iced tea or your Diet Coke, whatever you're, you're sipping, and then all of a sudden the wind begins to just blow. The wind chimes are chiming, jing, 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 jing. And you feel that breeze, and you take a sip of that iced tea. Remember those days? Remember how that was? Now, those of you in Florida have never remembered those days because it's always been hot. But you, you, remember, you remember how that is. Remember that, that nice breeze. It's like, it's like a fresh breath. Or you drive out of a city full of pollution. You get out in the countryside, and you roll down the windows, and you say, what are you doing? I'm breathing in fresh air. Some of you have been so stagnant with the air you're breathing. You need to roll down the window of your spirit and take a deep breath of the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the refreshing of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Why don't you just go ahead and take a deep breath right now? Come on, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh and full with fresh air, not stagnant air, but fresh air. I love to do what I call getting wind therapy. I get that by riding a motorcycle. Last week, we had the privilege of taking Pastor Kevin and Melissa up to the cabin up the mountain, and uh, we went, had, I prayed for one day of nice weather. So we actually had nice one day of nice weather. So we went riding, and, and, you, and when I usually ride, I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to anything. I turn it all off. And I just want to listen to God. I want to feel the wind in my face. 
want to feel the wind. When I sleep at night, I got a fan beside me. I would like to run it on turbo speed, but Anita makes me leave it on low. Because I just, I like the wind blowing in my face. Can anybody feel me? I mean, you, you, you feel that? It's just somebody, and somebody said, well, I, don't, I wouldn't ride a motorcycle with the wind in my face. But there's something that you do that has wind that brings a refreshing to you. I'm telling you, when I began to feel that mountain breeze last week and riding through those mountains and going, sadly, Anita had to ride behind me. She usually rides her own. Uh, so she was like trying to talk to me, and I'm trying to get wind therapy, you know, so... I pretend I couldn't hear her, so then she quit talking. I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm in trouble. We haven't even had lunch yet. But you understand what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is refreshing. I can tell you story after story after story of critical times in my life and other people that I've known. Of people just, just, just on the edge and not, not, just, just have no hope people just began to pray and the presence of the Holy Spirit would come into a room and people were just like oh I feel better I feel better why in the world would you ever allow somebody to talk you out of drawing close to the Holy Spirit because they've seen some things maybe that's been done wrong in the past there are a lot of things that have been done wrong in the past. But let's not hold the Bible or let's not hold the Spirit to those. Let's just mark that off as some people that were just kooky people. They were beyond weird. They were kooky. But let's just take a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians uh, 4 and 30 says, Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intense part of your life, making you fit for Himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. He says, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. You say, how do I do that? By taking him for granted. Or, if not taking him for granted, just pushing him over to the side of your life and saying, well, Holy Spirit, you can do whatever you want to in my life, except, and you draw a line. Holy Spirit, you can do whatever you want to in my life, except I don't want this experience. So the Holy Spirit, you just grieve the Holy Spirit. He's going to say, well, I'll just wait over here. I'll just wait over here until you're hungry. I'll wait over here until you're, you're, you're willing. You, you've, you've got to give me a blank sheet of paper. You've got past what Uncle Billy Bob told you, what you read on the Internet, or what some pastor said that it's not for today. I'll just wait over here because he's a gentleman. He's a dove. He's a dove, he's a win, and he's going to wait. And there will be a time in your life where you will have expended everything that you can and say, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. Holy Spirit, come in my life. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. I'm just going to say, I need a refreshing, I need the power. And he's going to come like a great breeze into your life. Amen, amen, amen. So you say, okay, I want to experience all that he wants me to have so what are the next steps? What are my next steps? Here they are. Let me give them to you real quick. Start fresh. Let's say that together. Start fresh. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. If you're like a lot of people, you try to figure everything out before it happens. Well, what would happen if I yield to the Holy Spirit? Well, what really would happen? He says, look, just start fresh. Don't try to figure it out. 
Just start fresh, just from the bottom of your heart. He's not spooky, he's not weird, he's not outdated, and he's not unbiblical. Second of all, get serious. Say, get serious. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. You're never going to find God's best for you if you only go halfway. Remember when you first gave your heart to the Lord, every time the church doors were open, you were there. But through the years, we get to the place that we got to fit God in, right? Oh, God, I want more of you. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you, how about two Sundays a month? How, how would that be? Two Sundays. Excuse me. Fit God in? No. We get serious about this. The next, I'm just going to ask you, the next three weeks, we just really get serious about praying and yielding, reading Luke's gospel, the book of Acts. Here's the third one. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Remember this beautiful benediction in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, who starts, it starts with Jesus. The amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Notice the different roles of God. God the Father loves me. That's a fill-in in your notes. God the Father loves me. Some of you need to settle that. If God had a fridge, your picture would be on the fridge. And he'd smile and say, that's one of my kids. I love them. I really, I value them. You say, well, I, I feel pretty worthless. No, you, you shouldn't. Because you see, the value of an object is how much somebody would pay to buy it. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross because he would say, I want to buy you. You're valuable. You're so valuable to me, I'll send the best thing that I've got, the only thing that's more like me than anything else. I'll send my son, and he'll die on the cross. So you see, God the Father loves me. Second of all, God the Son saves me, saves me. Jesus paid my bill of sin. He took away my shame. He took away my guilt so I don't have to carry it any longer. For too many people, that's where the Trinity ends. But you've missed the third part. God, the Holy Spirit, is with me. Say with me. God, the Holy Spirit is with me. Give me three more weeks. Let me show you how that he wants to be with you. Let me show you how that he wants to be your best friend. Let me show you what he brings into your life. Number four today is we, learn, we need to learn how to catch the wind. Catch the wind. Catch the wind. You ever uh, heard the term in the doldrums? You ever heard that before? In the doldrums just means that a person is in that place of dullness, depression, you know, nothing is going well. It's just lifeless in their life. That word in the doldrums comes from a maritime word in which that there is a place, there is a place because the way that the earth rotates, there's a place where the currents and the clouds of the northern hemisphere literally collide with the clouds from the southern hemisphere, creating what is called an unpredictable weather place where there's no wind that blows. It's called, the technical term is called the intertropical convergence zone, the ITCZ. It was called the doldrums, the place of the doldrums. And Maritime people before the motors, of course, would count on the wind blowing the ship. 
And so many ships would get to this place of the doldrums where there was no wind. But what there was was heavy rain because of the convergence of the north wind and the south wind, just terrible rain. But they couldn't make the ship move. It was caught there in a storm that kept pounding and pounding and pounding. And, and there were many ships that was, that was sunk there because of the wind. And they would try everything. They would move this and they would move that and move something else, you know, before motors. And they couldn't get it to move. They couldn't get the ship to move. It was in the doldrums. It's not an accident that some of you are here today because you're in the doldrums. You're in a place where nothing is moving in your life, where it's just lifeless. You've been trying to do everything, and you can't do it on your own because, you see, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the wind of God is not blowing in your life. The Lord today wants us to hoist the sails, hoist the sails, and to catch the wind. Uh, I heard this guy say, I went out on a sailboat. We got out into the harbor, and then they hoist the sails. And I said to the captain, well, when is the wind going to hit the sails? And he smiled, and he said, you'll know. You'll know. And he said, then just a few seconds later, I heard this big whoosh, whoosh, and I saw the sails fill up. And he said, it was such a powerful feeling that it literally knocked me on my feet on the deck. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying that we get our hands up in worship. We get our words up in worship. We get the sail of our life up. And we say, come on, Holy Spirit. Fresh upon me. Fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what, will, you, will you know it? You might fall on your tush, spiritually speaking. But you'll know it. You'll know it. And it may not be something so forceful, but it may be just that gentle, whew, I just, I, I just, I just feel like I took a, a fresh breath. The book of Acts says this, it's the last verse there in your notes, and I'd like for us to read it together. Here's what it says, this is from the Passion Translation. Read it out loud with me. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled, equipped with the Holy Spirit, were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they've never studied. In the next, in the next three weeks, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about, people say, well, I thought the Holy Spirit came in my life at conversion. Yes. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the different baptisms. I'm going to talk about how the, we receive this prayer language in our life. I want to talk more about how the Holy Spirit is my friend. So I'm encouraging, if you've ever made an adjustment to your schedule to not miss any of this, I'm going to encourage you not to miss this. And those of you that you're sort of on the borderline, just, just bear with me. Bring your blank sheet of paper. I'm not going to tell you anything that's not in this book, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for loving us, for caring for us. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit the fresh wind. We thank you that week after week we leave this building and saying, I can't explain it. I don't know how to talk about it, but I just feel better. I felt the presence of God. 
as you continue to pray with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to also pray for those of you today that may be here watching online that you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. You've been trying to live your life on your own, and you know that's not working. You're actually caught in the doldrums. You're in that place where nothing is operating right in your life. You're trying to move this way. You're trying to move that way. You're trying to move here, and nothing's happening because you haven't allowed the wind of the Holy Spirit to bring life into you. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray. Maybe years ago you were close to God, and, man, you were sailing good. You had the wind up, and you're just catching the Spirit, but maybe things have come your way, and you've not been sensing the wind of the Holy Spirit. And you'd say, today, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I need to rededicate my life to Him today. So if that's you, if today's a day in which you feel like you need to rededicate your life to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I just need a fresh, I just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Or second of all, you'd say, today I want to invite Christ into my heart. I want to ask him to forgive me of my sins. Take the shame and the guilt away. Can't do it on my own. I need his help. If that's you, would you make eye contact with me and raise your hand so that I can pray with you? I won't embarrass you this morning, but just say, that's me. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Others today, thank you in the back. Thank you over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back here. Three more back here. Thank you over here, sir. Thank you over here. Thank you. Others today, lift your hand up. Make eye contact with me and just put it right back down. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you today for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to pay the price for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.